We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Light years, Andy Lou. The Warriors are three and zero. I can hear a, a, a jump in your step. You know, like <laughs> in your step, Sam. Me too. He was fucking great. The Warriors are three and zero. They look as expected. The Light Years podcast told you that the Warriors would come out this season looking good, and I, they have not disappointed. In any of the games, they have not disappointed. This has been a great start. We are recording this Sunday evening, right after. All the games ended. We even watched the Lakers and the Grizzlies. I thought the Grizzlies were going to give yeah. us the perfect Sunday, but, you know, got close there. So let's talk a little Warriors-Kings and then get into, like, the bigger picture on it. Yep. So what do you think of this game? For me, it was, like, a um, kind of a mediocre game. I don't think they played well, but they no. they also did not play poorly, and they took care of business. It's the type of game that they would have lost last year. That much I know for sure. 100%. I mean, I mean, 100% they would have lost this game last year. There were moments of frustration this game that reminded you of last season, right? Like some of the turnovers, some of the fouls in the middle of the game kind of – I sat there and I said, wow, like I'm getting frustrated. Now, part of it is because I was watching the Niners game at the same time, so I was already pissy. So then I was watching – I was watching Kevon Looney miss – rotations or get get absolutely run over by Rashawn Holmes I was getting angrier but really you watch this game and uh this is what the Warriors this is their identity that's that's really the one thing I kind of thought of where the Warriors know who they want to be um and it, and it made sense to me when they took Looney out and they just said hey we're gonna go JTA we're gonna go auto porter we're gonna go small we're gonna go GP2 he's gonna rein in a couple threes we're gonna go defense we're gonna go small and we're gonna run by the Kings and I think that's their identity this season, and it makes sense, right, as compared to whatever happened last season. Yeah, I mean, their identity is playing small, playing fast, moving Ooh. the ball, and getting open shots up. Yeah. It's it's pretty simple. Um, easier said than done. They tried <laughs> to do it last year with Ubre, Bazemore, and a few other guys who maybe uh, maybe that's not their game. Wiseman, you know, Wanamaker, all those guys, right? It's hard. It's a hard style to play. It is a hard style to play. Um, but, you know... My my main takes from the Kings game, and I don't want to spend too long on this, is Draymond looks good. This is the second straight game he has double figures. Through three games in the early part of the season, he's averaging almost 11 points a game. I mean, that's basically Steph dropping 40, as far as I'm concerned. Um, He's 
he looks physically excellent. He's getting to the rim and finishing at as good a clip as he has in what the last four years, at least. He looks, I mean, he looks incredible. Remember at before the first game of the season, Kirk comes out and says, Oh, Draymond's kind of out of shape. He's probably going to be on a minutes restriction limit. And at first thing I thought about was that's not, that's not true. That just doesn't sound right. Cause you watch him and it's not like he has new moves, Sam. It's not like he's coming out there with some new fadeaway move where he's making threes. Step he's back. literally, there's none of that. Left right? shoulder. <laughs> there's none of that stuff. You know what he's doing? When he has an open shot, he's just shooting it. He's going to the rim when he gets the ball in the middle of the floor and he's shooting the layup, which is not what he did last season. He's just doing all of that. And he ends up with, and I don't actually know how many points he ended up with. That felt like he's 14. Yeah, 14. It felt like he had 30, actually. But like, that's all he's doing. He's not doing anything crazy or special. He's just when he gets the ball down there and it's it's a two-foot shot or a layup, he shoots it. And that type of aggression is, I mean, how long has it been? Three years? Four years, maybe, since we've seen that? It was, that's to me, that to me unlocks their offense in a way that we haven't, because we haven't seen anybody else do that. Yeah, I mean, he is their best passer, best decision maker, maybe on the team, he needs to be a scoring threat. We've known this. It's frustrating when he would do the traffic cop stuff last year. Um, You know, COVID probably played into it and a few other factors, but it seems like he's in the best shape we've seen Draymond in in the last few years. He's attacking the rim as well as you can hope. And, you know, it doesn't feel like averaging 10 points is unrealistic to expect from this season. That's all, you know, that's the ask here. We're not asking for him to become a 20 plus point per game score. I'm asking him to finish the opportunities he has. Yeah. And it's, and again, he's not even shooting threes either. I mean, we're not, we're not watching him chuck up two, three, three threes a game. Like that's not happening either. It's just a matter of being aggressive, going to the rim. And I think part of that too is, is their willingness to go small though. I mean, you look at the end of the last season, um, the last 20 plus games or so when they went small, I mean, primarily with Wiseman out, that helped him a lot. He likes playing with Wiseman. A lot of these guys do. But it, it does make it hard for him to get to the hole if there's no spacing around there, right? You could see it with Kevon Looney out there. So when you throw guys like Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, you know, made a couple big shots tonight. GP2 made a couple big shots. But, you know, Nemanja Bielitsa, when you put shooters around Draymond, that does give him more space, I think, to, to, to actually attempt those shots. Yeah, that, and the one thing, you actually bring up a great point here. The one thing we saw um, against the Kings that they hadn't done the first two games is they went with that small ball lineup yeah. with Otto next to Draymond, which had been something I wanted to see all season or all off season when we, when we found out the Warriors got Otto Porter early returns. So Otto didn't shoot the ball. Well, this game, but it's fine. Like he's, he's a great shooter. I'm not particularly concerned about that. St- to me, he still looks kind of stiff. Oh yeah. He, he like, there's not much of a difference between him and Bielitsa in terms of movement right yeah. now. Anyway. Uh, but he rebounded the ball really well. Nine rebounds in 24 minutes. Uh, and he passed the ball well. They ran some of those split cut actions with him playing kind of the bogut role. And and it works. And and people will guard him. It doesn't matter if he didn't hit threes tonight. He's going to be guarded 25 feet out because everyone knows Otto Porter can shoot the ball. Yeah, you're you're honed in on Otto Porter a lot. I think I think you... No, no, <laughs> way not too a bad much, way. way too much mental time on Otto Porter. No, well, no, not a bad thing. I, I think I thought Otto Porter is going to be a little better. The good thing about this team, though, is that they have so much depth, right? That they don't need Otto Porter to be who we think Otto Porter is going to be right now, 
Like they're okay with Otto Porter being a little bit out of shape, a little bit slower. Maybe like you said, ended up playing a big man position only. I think with guys like, uh, not Nemanja, but with JTA, JTA and GP2 were the two guys that stood out to me tonight where I said, damn, they're not relying on those two guys, right? Because they're not seven and eighth man like they would be last season, essentially, JTA was. Essentially, they just throw those guys out there and they're like, damn, we need some energy on a Sunday night, right? It's against a young sack team. And they're basically saying, let's just put that, let's just put those two guys out there. And those two guys were awesome, right? Like JTA was, was rebounding against Rashawn Holmes and GP2 hit two threes. I mean, obviously his defense is always going to be good, but he hits two threes. And I think like, those are guys that are at the end of the bench that essentially played a huge role today that, I don't know, man, that this, this team doesn't have that last season. And those guys are really smart, really, really smart. And the one thing I will say is, and I don't want to call it an emergence, but if GP2 can play minutes, we know Juan can play minutes. It does make guys like Bielitsa and Otto more playable because you're not asking him to guard as much space. If you got guys who can pressure the ball on the perimeter and not get blown by, you can deal with the fact that like Otto Porter is smart, but maybe doesn't move the way you want him to. Right. Like he's he knows where to be defensively. I just based on early returns, I think the days of him being like a switchable wing or maybe behind him, you know, maybe he needs to do the loony where it's just like. I'm just going to be smart and be in the right position. Uh, and, and that's good if you got guys. And I'll even throw Wiggins into this. Wiggins' offense left a lot to be desired tonight. But, like, at least defensively, he can pressure a guy and he can stay in front of his man. So th- the more guys they have that can do that, the easier it is to play guys like Bielitsa and Otto, who they desperately need for spacing on offense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you can only play so many guys at the at the own, bigs only position. You still need to get away with some guys at the wing. But yeah, I mean, Otto, maybe maybe he's just going to be a four. Maybe sometimes he's going to play the five. But also, has he made a three this season? I don't actually even know if he made a three. Yet he season. made like 15 in preseason. And then just right. Got, got cold the minute the season started. Yeah. Well, he's also not getting those open looks part of it. And it's like, is he is he playing with Steph enough? Right. That's sometimes that's just the answer. It's like maybe you put him in earlier and get him some minutes with Steph and get some open shots, right? Sometimes that's what you need to do. So we'll see. We'll see. But this team's depth and the IQ up and down the rosters. I mean, Damian Lee, another guy out there tonight that just now at this point, he's just a vet you can rely on. You know, what he's I mean? one like, for by the way, he's one for five you made one? season from three. Well, you he made did one. make one. Not tonight, though. Must have missed it. Yeah. But what I was gonna say about Otto is the, the thing that stands out to me with him, though, is like he's he's been in the league like eight years. He's getting guarded like a shooter. And <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun with this Laker team. There's a difference between perception and percentage in terms of the way you're guarded, right? Like Otto Porter is going to have a guy stuck to him no matter what. Um, even if he's in like a prolonged month-long slump, right? Like no one's leaving him, right? Yep. Whereas, like, you know, you watch, like, the Lakers, and it's like, oh, Bazemore shot 40% last year. It's like, great. Let him shoot. Anytime Bazemore shoots the ball, it's good, you know, yeah. for the defense. So it's like, it's it's that sort of thing. It's like, you know, we talked about it last year. It's like having, like, fake shooters, so to say. Like, you got you got to have some sort of respect for the defense. Nemanja is another guy that players won't come off of. Jordan Poole tonight was come back, a little, little bit of a bounce-back performance. Yeah. Looked very good tonight. It's another guy that. I mean, every single, you go up and down this roster, you really can't even leave anyone open. I guess the only people are, my, some of my, my two guys, JTA and, and, and Gary Payton, are basically the, they're, they're the wing and guard versions of each other. They're very yeah. good defensively. They play very hard. And man, if they can make a three, like they're staying on the floor that night, right? It's just not consistent, but they're not going to be guarded. 
uh, out there. But uh, no, that's a uh, good effort tonight against the Kings and, and good effort against the Lakers and Clippers too. I think this team is also one thing I also noticed uh, the coaching. We got to talk about that tonight. The Warriors closed with Jordan Poole instead of Damian Lee. They also closed with Otto Porter, your guy, on the floor. Uh, basically because I feel like that they just knew we needed enough shooting. We can get away with some stuff defensively against this team because we know that Davion Mitchell can't shoot. And uh, we can go ahead and go small with these guys. I think that was part of it. And I think that this coaching staff has pretty much said, we're going to coach each game like it's a freaking finals game. That's how it feels like. They're not they doing are, Yeah, right? Yeah, so like the, this is like more of a overarching thought from the first three games. They're coaching to the matchup a lot more than they did in the past, and, and that's great. They, they needed to. Um, different rotations every night, different matchups, looking to pick on different people different nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's really what you're, you were hoping for with this roster because they're not so talented that they can just roll the ball out and just kind of – run the system and see what happens. They kind of have to play the matchup a little bit. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of uh, one thing I thought was pretty funny, not schematic, but, but uh, the, the Warriors go back down the floor on defense. This was, this was maybe mid third quarter. And uh, you see Steve Kerr standing up on the bench and then behind him, you see Kenny Atkinson standing up the bench. <laughs> First of all, I thought, is that even allowed? Can you actually even have two coaches standing up? But I guess Kenny's not actually in the coach's box, but it's just, I think it's funny. I thought, I think it's also, um, I think it's also symbolic of the Warriors coaching situation this season. I think Steve Kerr knew that he needed a little bit more help. And I think they brought in Kenny Atkinson, who uh, I think we're seeing a lot of uh, his influence on what the Warriors are doing, both, both, uh, both in terms of actually coaching for the wins and offensively and defensively. It's uh, what a start. What Urgency. Think, what, yeah, exactly. Urgency. They, they're three and oh. They have a very soft early season schedule. Like there's mm. no reason they can't get out to like a 10 and two, I don't mm-hmm. know, like 13 and three, that type of start. And, and they know it and they want to take advantage of it because the bigger start they get out to the easier it is to integrate Wiseman and clay back without any sort of pressure. Like worst case scenario is like they're five and eight. And then Wiseman comes back, and then you're like, "When's Clay coming back?" You know, you're all yeah, nervous. You don't, ex- exactly. You don't want to be sitting there and saying, "Shit, we're we're three games under 500. We need Clay to save us." Worst case scenario, you're not saving you, right? Like you want Clay to do what he wants with no pressure. The more pressure you put on, the the worse it is for his for his game, or really for his ligaments. Yeah, um, I want to ask you this before we get into like the bigger picture stuff. What did you think of Davion Mitchell? Oh, I love Davion. I liked him before the draft. I just, I love the way, even offensively, I love the way he plays. He has no fear, right? I think Andrew Wiggins, I, we're having lots of issues watching because it just doesn't seem like he wants to play basketball out there. Davion Mitchell is on the other side of the spectrum, right? Incredible. And, and honestly, Steph didn't shoot very well tonight. Steph was hounded, even though he had about 30 points. Uh, the one problem, his shooting, he made a bunch of shots in the beginning, but then he kind of went back to what people thought he was going to be, right? Near the end of the game. Yeah. Warriors, Warriors centric though. Is there that much of a difference between him and Gary Payton too? I don't, I don't know. I mean, Davion I mean, can dribble the ball. I mean, he's going to be a better shooter, but like, I don't know how much he was going to play. So I, I don't know. I love Davion end of day, but yeah. I mean, you can see some like baby Kyle Lowry stuff with him. Like the shots, not all the way there, but you could see how like that could be like something he grows into over the next couple of years. 
but like i'm with you like Lowry's a great comp. It's like, just that. <laughs> it's just hard to justify wanting to draft a five eleven guy when you have Steph Curry on your roster. You know, like I'm I'm not a big position over you know position over talent guy, but it's like when you're talking about a point guard when you have Steph Curry on the roster, like that that is kind of a consideration. I think he's a good player though. I think it's smart of the Kings to take him because they just need more players. Um, and we may see Kuminga next week. He just got cleared to practice. I think he might be back the following weekend. And it'll be exciting to see what he's got, too. I, I don't know if the Warriors were drafting. If they were drafting for need, do they really need Davion Mitchell that badly? Like, is Davion Mitchell going to put him over the hump or something? Like, he would have been a good player for him, but... He would have solidified think- the bench. He would have solidified... Uh, like, more so than any vet guard that they can get maybe on the buyout market i'm not sure like i'm not sure that he had that much upside to him i i, I think that that's more the question i guess i was okay with kaminga like you just get the guy who's a wing and talented and, and kind of pray right um they would have taken him at at 14 though imagine this what what if davion and duarte was there at 14 what do you think the warriors take <laughs> if, if that had happened i'm watching duarte play he looks all right <laughs> he looks excellent um... <laughs> i know i know he looks damn good a lot of mm. shots, though. Too many shots. Too many ISOs for him. But yeah, I mean, Davion and Duarte. I wonder, I wonder who they go with. I feel like it's Duarte, probably, just just because he has a little bit more ah, juice offensively. It's a toss up, honestly. But Not Moody, maybe Moody would be third. Yeah, I mean, I, they wanted Duarte because they knew Duarte could play day one, and sure. as we're seeing, he can play day one. He's a good player. But you know, they ended up in a good draft situation. Can't. Yeah. can't can't fault it. I was shocked that Indy took Duarte at 13, but hey, do what you can do. I mean, Duarte um, and pull off the bench would be nice. And we're not doing this right now. We're in a good mood. We're not doing who would be there, but uh, but uh, no, the and and the Warriors, like you said, great, great rest of schedule coming up. What do you want to go do next? I just I want to talk like bigger pictures. So like week one is in the books. And my overarching take right now is even though we're only a couple games in and you know, no reason to overreact per se, but but outside of Milwaukee, is anyone really that scary? I mean, silence. I got none for you. I watched all the contender games this week. The Suns, who blew the Lakers out, then got blown. Suns are solid, by the way. Then then got but like, you know, they're solid. They're solid. Exactly. They're solid. We watched the Nets tonight, uh, today lose to the Hornets. Great game. Shout out to Smith. Kind of a hangover game. But yeah, I mean, they lost. Hornets are fun. Uh, just none of these teams, like you were saying, though, none of these teams look like they are going to be 62 wins and we're going to rip through and get to the, to the conference finals no matter what. Right? Like we can see any of these teams losing in the semi. So I'm with you. Um, but it, it is early. The Lakers, I think, is probably the funniest one because I'm watching them tonight. They barely beat the Memphis Grizzlies, who are just, I mean, they're a young team. They've got guys like Desmond Bain. Memphis, Memphis on a back-to-back that went back to, to back. overtime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zaire Williams is playing minutes. Kid is 19. Uh, and they barely won because they shot like 50% from three. And they're pretty much the worst shooting team in the NBA. So what's going on with the Lakers? If you want to talk big picture, right? Because isn't that who the, Lake, the Warriors, you know? So I just going down the list. It's not great. Bodes well. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, so, so let's run through it. So, like, the teams everyone thought were going to be there 
like the real contenders. I, Milwaukee, defending champs, they're real, right? Like we have nothing to say about them. Like I, I think they're going to absolutely be there towards the end of the season. Right. Nothing I'm seeing today makes me think like, oh, that was a fraud, you know, that sort of thing. The Nets, I mean, man, Harden looks subpar. I'm not, oh. I'm not willing to uh, write him off just yet because he's had some slow starts to seasons in the past. But it's, it's a little worrisome. It's never good when the coach is complaining that he's not getting enough calls in October, you know, uh, KD is obviously KD. He looks amazing. But then like the whole Kyrie situation, dude, it's just, and then the rest of their bench is like mostly old dudes. Like it, it's, I'm not going to write them off because when you have Kevin Durant, like you can tweak the roster and be right there. But like, doesn't look good for them right now. It doesn't look, let's just say the team as constructed with whatever is going on with Kyrie does not look like a, world beater at any means yeah i don't that team seems like to me we're watching the warriors and the warriors look like they spent a whole offseason together right it looked like they put this team together with a with a uh with a purpose that nets team i don't really actually know what they do with a purpose they've got a bunch of talented guys they got a bunch of, of vets I'm watching lamarcus Aldridge and paul Millsap on that team cool i'm watching patty mills but it doesn't seem like they have an effort it's just basically katie and harden just do your thing and and figure it out, which they will on most nights, but I'm with you. Like, is that going to last 82 games, especially if Kyrie's out? I mean, if you have to ask me right now, if Kyrie's going to be back on this team this season, I would tell, I would tell you no. So it's, so it's, I, I don't, I don't really know what their plan is out there other than to say, we just ISO all day and we both average 35 points a game. Probably what Katie likes, probably what Harden likes, but I don't the, know. The Lakers are the funnier one to me though. It's just like, oh, it's just, it's going exactly like, uh, we imagined in the preseason, uh, in the off season with just like, I mean, the rust fit is awful. It's just, I'm, I'm going to let you take it. I don't even know where to go. I'm a, I'm a little bit confused. I mean, it, they remind me a little bit of last season where they keep starting this lineup with those guys. And then they keep starting Deandre or not Deandre Jordan. Oh no, actually Deandre Jordan. They keep starting Deandre Jordan with those three guys. I, I got my nets and Lakers mixed up because they kind of think the same. Um, they got those big men out there and it doesn't work. And you see that every single game. And it reminds me of the Warriors last season where it doesn't work and they keep doing the same thing every single game. And I, I don't know. Today I watched Russell Westbrook shoot a wide open 12 footer to air ball in crunch time. So I'm like, I, I don't know what to say else about this Lakers team. Uh, they're saying that they're injured. So they need people coming back. I guess Trevor Ariza, who's like 88 years old, is going to fix this team. Kendrick Nunn, who I mean, the, the heat threw him away. I mean, the Heat need offense, and they threw them away. So it's like I don't, I, I really don't understand what's going on. And the other thing, the last thing too that I find very concerning is Anthony Davis. Is he just gonna shoot contested jumpers every game if he doesn't get a dunk? Like what is AD, he? AD wants to be KD so bad. Yeah, like he, yeah, like you're not KD is 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 just the best offensive, just the most unstoppable guy. And AD just out here shooting mid range jumpers all game long. What? Do, I don't understand their offense. He's such a front runner too. Sometimes <laughs> like, I mean, flexing Remember on opening night, flexing on Juan Toscano Anderson, like, bro, that's a G league dude. Who's six, five, like relax. Yeah. Relax, man. And then the next game, Aiton is pushing him around and he's like throwing a tantrum. That's yep. like, Oh, someone your own size. And, and this is how you act, but you know, you flex all over Juan. Nice, yeah. man. <laughs> and it's just, and it's like, and the, the thing for me is like, all that said, like he's still 
ridiculously talented. And if he wants to turn it on, he can, but it's just, it's just such an unlikable trait. Yeah. He also, and, and he's not a player that I don't, I think people just don't, he, people don't care for him. I mean, and, and he's another guy that also is, I think the book is out on AD is that he just falls all game. So I think people are just at a point where it's like, dude, like you're going to fall 18 times a game. Number one, you're not actually injured. Right. And number two guys are just running. Right. That's what the Warriors did. They're just running and saying, like, look, not only are you guys already old and slow, if AD is going to fall down offensively every possession, we're just going to run it back down your throat. And uh, I just, I think that's the problem, right? AD's their best player. I mean, especially in the regular season. LeBron is great, but he can't turn it on every game. And AD just leaves a lot to be desired, man. I just think he's under, I just don't think he's, he's not Giannis. I mean, remember, remember people were comparing him to Giannis yeah. a year or so ago? I mean, I don't know. This team, I, I wonder, I wonder, Sam, if they're going to be the same team 40 games from now. I truly wonder. I bet all my money that trades come through. I feel pretty good about what I said on the uh, season preview pod. I just cannot see this roster being their roster in 25. Well, no, actually, let's put 40 games, 50 games in. Man, I just, and, and this is a team that, that is going to have to last all 82. Um, you look at the rest of the Western Conference. I mean, the Nuggets look good, but beyond that, you're right. I mean, the just broad level view of the Western Conference, the Warriors probably look like the best team so far in the conference. And so I have my own questions with the Warriors. Like, it's a lot of loony, not a lot of interior stuff going on. Like, Draymond is scoring a lot inside. I don't know how sustainable it is. So it's it just my whole thing, and this will probably be a consistent theme of the show, is – Warriors are not that far away from contending for the West, like at all. And the hotter a start they get out to, the more urgency there should be to make a trade. Because I don't know if this roster gets it done in the playoffs, like the deep playoffs, but like they're like a player and a player short of being there, in my opinion. I wonder what that I agree. I can I can make the case. Maybe that they do it because you get Steph, Clay, and Draymond together. But, of course, you always need another player if you can get them. I, what would the trade consist of is the question. Like, are they going to actually move Wiggins and Picks or Wiggins and, and Kaminga or Wiggins slash Wiseman? That's where I kind of say I agree with you that they need to get another player, but I don't think they're going to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to say. It's too early to right. even say this stuff. I'm just, I'm just saying. The more this goes on, if the Warriors, I mean, their next game is Oklahoma City. That should be a win. Then they got Memphis and OKC again. Then they have Charlotte. I mean, you look at those four games right there, that should be three and one. Yeah. At the worst case, two and two. But oh, three sorry. And one. Then Pelicans, then Rockets, That's then two more Hawks, wins. then sure. Timberwolves, then win. Bulls. I mean, they, all I'm saying is I'm looking at the schedule. They should be eight and three, 12 and four, that type of thing coming out of the gate. And you know what, man, if they're sitting in the top three, four in the West come Christmas time, there should be a little urgency. Like you're very much in this. You should be thinking about who's that player who makes us match up with Milwaukee better, like that sort of thing. Right. Cause like, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't think their roster is good enough to match up with like the Milwaukee Bucks, but I'm not like convinced that it's they need a lot more just to get like in that conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think 
it's or if you make the decision not to, it's just a lot on Clay Thompson. It's what it is. I mean, you can make the case that they can do this and pick up a couple of vets and get there, but you're expecting Clay Thompson to revert back to who he was in 2019. And I'm not banking on that, even though the IG lives are incredible. You know, I, I'd bank maybe I'll bank on that next season though. But as of right now, especially when you've got a chance to win a title, three games in only. But we saw this and we said this weeks ago that this team has a chance to be better than oh, let's just get in the postseason and see what happens. <laughs> they should be aiming for more than that, especially now that they come out here and they look like they're going to win 50 games in the regular season. And if you end up winning 50, 52, 54, you have home, home court advantage and you're like the three seed, you should be gutting to win the whole thing. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're on pace to win 52 games with Steph Curry, you're a lot closer to getting into the title conversation than being away from it. Like you're, you're like one move. Anyway, it's something to keep track of. Like I, we'll, we'll talk about it some <laughs> yeah, more. I was going to say, yeah, but, but that, I mean, my overarching take from week one is the Warriors look excellent. They look very optimized moving forward. They look like they're going to rack up a bunch of wins and the rest of the league doesn't look that much better than them. It does not look like other than maybe Milwaukee that, these other teams are more than one warrior move away. I agree. I, I don't think I don't think there's a juggernaut out there, but I think this is what the real NBA is. <laughs> I think most of the time you're not getting a Warriors team that's, you know, winning 73 games or a KD Warriors team, something like that. Like you a standard championship team is kind of a team that's gonna come out here looking like this. Like I don't think this is out of the normal. And I think that's where. That's why I think the Warriors are set up in a good place. Um, also, the other thing to point out there I thought was cool tonight is, the, and for the week, how they, how they handled it is uh, Andre Godala. He sat out tonight. Yeah, he quote-unquote was injured. But smart, just smart. It's a long season, and the this team has a lot of depth. And uh, I, think, I think they're set up for a long season with the guys that they have. Like, they're just set up to be successful that, for a long that time. Is a, that is a good point. Like, is Juan Toscano-Anderson better than Godala? No. But is Juan able to do like an Iguodala impression so that Iguodala doesn't have to play every game? Yep. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I don't want to do the cross sports comp too much, but it's like the way the Giants were able to keep Buster Posey healthy because they were able to just kind of like manufacture enough production so he didn't have to play every game. Yep. And lo and behold, he was fresh at the end of the season. He performed when they needed him to perform. Like we all know, like if you want Iguodala to play 25 minutes every game, he's probably not going to make it to the finish line at this stage of his career. But if he's playing 50 games, it's not so bad, you know? And, I mean, and Juan, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was going to say, and like Juan, Juan is absolutely good enough to like fill that role, particularly against like the Kings and the Thunder. I know. Right. Like, like Juan Descano Anderson going at 125% on a Sunday night is better than Andre Godala half-assing it. Right. Like Andre Godala half-assing it is he's providing not much. Like he's just out there trying to hunt assists like Draymond has done for the past two seasons. So, I, you know, all in all, encouraging. What you said about the upcoming upcoming schedule, we'll be back in a couple of days, of course. The next game is on Tuesday, is that they should be expected to win a lot of these games. Just a lot of these games. Just And, and a lot of it, too. I think one more thing I want to point out is the three-point shooting. I would like to see them actually shoot more. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel like they're shooting enough. They did in the second half, actually. Felt like they did. But in the first half, to me, it felt like they were running that system that Steve Kerr had that just, yes, it capitalizes on guys who have high IQ, but sometimes 
16 on the shot clock, you get an open three, just shoot it. I mean, you got a lot of shooters on this team. The elites are poorly off the bench, just shoot. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if they keep doing that. Cause if they do that, it should be a, it should be a lot easier because they don't have enough. Like you said, guys, that can get to the hole and create. Yeah. They took 37 threes tonight. That's not bad, but it's not particularly great either. Like I, I don't want to say 40 is the number, but Ooh. it's kind of the number. Okay. I want to see if we Go get over that. 40. I want to see if we get over 40. Anyway, no, no real criticisms right now. They're, they're winning. Um, but, you know, some things to keep track of. The Kings did get up 46 threes on them. And in some ways, I feel like the Kings getting up more threes in them is why the Kings were ahead for half the game and were in it up until, you know, the last couple of minutes. So the Warriors could stand to get a couple more up. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But the Kings, I think another team where I had this thought about the Kings and maybe there's some listeners that are from that area. I, I think De'Aaron Fox has to be better. He just, he's not good enough. He looks fatter. I guess he, maybe he got more muscle out there, but he has to be better for them to be a real, real playoff team. He has to be a seven, star. Seven turnovers. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, he can't shoot. He's still quick, but does he really create? I just, he seems like he's going to be a good player for a long time, but if he's not going to get to, you know, like my guy, John Morant level, they're not going to be a playoff team. I'll say this about Darren Fox. He's more talented than Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. I don't think he was helping them win the game more than those two guys were yeah. tonight. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing with him. He, cause he's, he's got superstar talent objectively, yeah. Yeah. but it just feels like um, there could be another gear for him yeah. with some yeah. more consistency. The Golden State Warriors basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Warriors tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all the awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which, which lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NBA tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will actually give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I actually did that uh, for the San Francisco Giants game against the LA Dodgers game one, compared it to another site that I usually use. TickPick was actually cheaper. Uh, so there you go. But make sure you go to TickPick uh, for all your Warriors tickets games this season. Visit TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of the Golden State Warriors tickets. Again, it's TickPick.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to end on this. So the NBA did their top 75. Uh, Steph made it. Clay Thompson did not. Do you have any thoughts on Clay not making it? I... My first thought is it is interesting to me that the NBA thinks this highly of Steph because Steph won a championship without any other guys on the top 75, right? Won a championship, so they must think highly of him. So for whatever reason, and he didn't win a finals MVP, so good for Steph Curry. Um, as for Clay, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't even know like 25 of the players on the list just because they were way before my time. Um, but it always felt like to me that Clay. You don't have People, any Hal Greer takes? No, I, 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 don't, I don't pretend no to. No Paul, Paul Arizon takes? <laughs> not even in the eight guys in the 80s. Like, I'm not going to pretend to. But it's, it's, it always felt like people love Clay Thompson, but they love him because they think that he's just this guy that they can put as a second option, good defender, hard worker. Like, they just put him in a role, right? And they just say they love Clay Thompson. As long as he doesn't get out of that role, people are happy with that. So that's what this feels like. I think people are just look at Clay Thompson as just saying, like, it's just a shooter. You know, he's cool, doesn't do anything other than that. And he's, you know, he, he's smart, smart cutter, good defender, blah, blah. He's not going to be a top 75 player of all time. I don't know. Sam, do, you, do you have a strong opinion? I don't know if I do. My only, my only take on it is it, the inconsistency, which is um, you have guys like James Worthy and Kevin McHale on there who averaged 18 points a game for their career. And were second options on iconic mm-hmm. teams. They were mm-hmm. great players. Don't get me wrong, but you can't tell me James Worthy did more for the Lakers than Clay Thompson did for the Warriors. Like, mm-hmm. there's no difference. He played with Magic Johnson. He played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Fair point. He was the steady two-way wing who often guarded the best player on the other team and had a knack for showing up in big games. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I personally am not a huge fan of these lists in any capacity. Like, I think they're always stupid and they're political is really what it comes down to. It's all politics. It's just like, I don't know how someone can tell me, Oh, Kevin McHale, Oh, James worthy top 75 all time. But like Clay Thompson, no. Oh, Reggie Miller top 75 all time, but not, not Clay Thompson. Like there's no consistency. Like you put Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis on this list. Okay. I thought that was BS. 80s, 80s, an all-world talent. But he's done it once as a second option. Clay was a vital piece of a team who went to five straight finals in an yep. era where it's really hard to go to two straight. Yep. So I don't know. He, 
I will bet money he will be on the next top hundred list when they do it in 25 years. And people will like pretend like they didn't slide him here, but like it's very hard to look at it and not just think politics. You you've changed my mind. I have strong feelings about this now. <laughs> I'm even sitting there and I'm saying, why isn't Draymond Green on that list? Because you, you, you re- I mean, Dennis Rodman's on it. Wouldn't Dennis Rodman do that? Draymond has it. Yeah. If you really, really think about it, who's the second best player on that on that championship team, on that first championship team? Clay Thompson. <laughs> like that first, that that second best player on that team was Draymond Green. So if we're talking about guys on legendary teams that should be on that list. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, you got me hyped up. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, Draymond should be on there because that's the thing, right? Like, people really, really love Clay Thompson. He's a splash player and all that. But in terms of impact, man, just, just the way that they changed the game, Draymond Green is, is right up there with Clay, and, and it actually was better for those two seasons. <clears throat> um, and then it was, you know, Clay was kind of more – it was easier to lose Clay a little bit more as because you had KD. I mean, you couldn't, you could never lose Draymond defensively. So, anyway, I'm with you. KD Lillard, I thought was BS. Dwight Howard should be on there. That's the other take I had. A lot of people had the same thing, but I forget Dwight Howard was I mean, talk about like guys growing up. Like growing up, I used to watch Dwight Howard. I didn't like him. So who liked watching Dwight Howard? Oh, yeah, he's he was good. Bo- boring player, but amazing player. Fuck, he was good. I mean, he I, did he did so much more as a first option than Anthony Davis ever did. Oh, here you go. There you go. And by the way, they should keep getting into fights. Good for the Lakers. (laughs) We'll end on that. Good for the Lakers. Keep keep getting after it. They don't look uh, uh, they don't look like they're going anywhere uh, as the season starts. All right, bro. We'll be back after the Thunder game.